0: So in the 90s, there was a comic book series called Sandman. It was not an incredibly popular comic book series. If, uh, like the mainstream, it wasn't like your Spider-Man or your Superman or Batman or anything like that. Um, But if you're a real comic book nerd, you've probably heard of it, but there's a very low chance that you ever actually read Sandman. But there's a a really interesting scene in one of the uh, issues. Where's a lawyer by the name of uh, Bernie Kopax. Now, Bernie had figured out how to live to be 15,000 years old. Um, again, I don't know how, because I didn't read it. But there's this one scene where, where Bernie is walking one night, and a brick falls from, the, falls from a building, hits him in the head, kills him instantly. And he's standing face-to-face with the character of death. And he begins to kind of come to terms with the fact that he's no longer alive, that he's no longer, that this 15,000 years has come to an end. And he's trying to, to puff himself up. Oh, 15,000 years, yeah, that's, that's pretty good, isn't it? I did really good. I got 15,000 years. Let's see somebody else do that. And death's response has always been kind of chilling to me, kind of harrowing. Because death just looks at Bernie and she says, you got the same thing everyone else got, Bernie. You lived a lifetime. No more, no less. And I love that response because here is this man who thinks that he's done something really wonderful and really great and amazing in his life. And death is like, dude, none of that matters. Because when you're dead, you're dead. So, when we come to Galatians, Paul is talking to the Jews. He's arguing with the Jews, really, um, because he's trying to convince them that Jesus is the new covenant. Jesus is the only way to salvation, that the law is no longer your one road to, to redemption. Now Jesus is that one road. Um, what he's trying to say can be summed up In one very simple equation Jesus plus nothing equals heaven or Jesus plus nothing equals salvation now that's a Mark Driscoll quote and I want you all to understand if you know my thoughts about Mark Driscoll you know how hard it is for me to put my put a quote of his in one of my sermons but a broken clock can be right twice a day and I was always taught to cite my sources but Paul's getting pushback from this idea for a couple of reasons. One of those reasons is that the Jews believed that if we got rid of the law as a means of salvation, then that's just gonna undo the law. That's gonna undo this law that was passed down to them for years, that they was told were told was going to be forever. Six thousand years of beautiful tradition from Moses to Sandy Koufax, gone. So they were afraid of that, and, and they had really worked their entire lives to try to abide by this law. Not an easy law to abide by either. The other problem that they had was that they, uh, they were afraid if we did away with the law and that we told people, all you got to do is put, place your faith in Christ, place your faith in the blood of Christ as your salvation, as your redemption, then people were just going to kind of live the lives that they wanted to live however they wanted to. They were going to run around partying and doing whatever they did 2,000 years ago. Uh, but he, we come to Galatians 2, 15 through 21, and, he, and Paul's going to kind of break those two arguments down. He's going to kind of fight those two arguments. So if you will turn with me to Galatians 2, and we are going to be reading 15 through 21. We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. Because by works of the law, no one will be justified. But if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? For no purpose. So that, that text is broken down pretty much into two, two spots. We get, we get two different responses to this argument. So the first is, uh, is in verses 15 and 16. Now, now Paul's going to give us two very foundational beliefs that, that this church kind of operates on, like this is what we believe, and if you don't believe this, then we do not believe the same thing. And those two beliefs are salvation through Christ is necessary for all and works according to the law has no, no effect on justification. Anytime I use the word justification, I'm just talking about salvation. It's just, they're interchangeable words. So Paul starts off by reminding the Jews that oppose him that he's one of them. Remember, he says, we too were born Jews, were Jews by birth. He's saying, listen, I, I've, I've kept the law. I, I abstained from what I was supposed to abstain from. I didn't eat the things that I was told not to eat. I, um, I, I celebrated the days that we were told to celebrate and keep holy. I didn't trim the edges of my beard. And I kept the list of hundreds of laws that we were given. Um, like, I, I'm, I'm there with you. I'm not one of these Gentile sinners, which is a weird thing. Like He's like, I'm one of you guys. I'm not one of these guys. These guys. You guys are... Dumb. No, no, I'm one of you guys. I'm with you guys. But then he goes on to say, yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. See, the Jews had worked all of this time to try to be good. They had tried to do everything they could to be right. And the Gentiles just kind of did whatever they wanted to. They didn't have these laws to abide by. But both need salvation through faith in Christ. So for many years, one of the, uh, probably the biggest, um, one of the biggest ministries that we had uh, here at Highland was uh, Celebrate Recovery. It's probably the most effective uh, ministry that we've had for a very, very long time uh, and it was a shame to see it go. But week after week for many, many, many years, we would invite people to have dinner in our fellowship hall, to sit in our, uh, in our sanctuary. Invite people in whose background wasn't church, whose background may have been drug addiction, may have been alcohol abuse or any other number of hurts or habits or hangups. And then you had me, who led worship, and I would stand here every week in front of these people. Sometimes I would stand with those people, and my background is church. I, I, I have been a part of the church since I was born. I cannot remember a time. Sunday mornings, we were there. Sunday nights, we were there. Wednesday nights, we were there. Every potluck, every uh, get-together in the park, if if they were cleaning the windows, our butts were in the pews. When I tell you that I grew up in church, I grew up in the church. I have never known a life apart from the church. However, when I stood with all of those people, Who had a totally different upbringing than me, who had a totally different background than me, who had a totally different knowledge than me, we were both equals because we were equally in need of Jesus Christ. We were equally in need of the love that Christ gave, of the redemption that Christ gave when he died on the cross. Does anybody know how many verses uh, kids have to memorize? If, if you start uh, in Awana from the very beginning to the very end, how many verses is that? Does anybody know? It's like I'm getting th- over 300 and over 200. Doesn't really matter. It's 200's a lot. We'll, we'll lowball it and go 200. That's more verses than I have memorized. But with all of that knowledge and all of those verses memorized... It's not going to help those children. Those children are going to stand equally with the children who are not being who are not growing up in church. There is no difference. Those who we don't like, those who may have a different political view than us. It hurts to say, but. All of those people have just as much opportunity and just as much value in the eyes of God, just as much opportunity to enter the gates of heaven as anybody in this room. Jesus said in John fourteen six, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one And if you want to turn in your Bibles to John 14, 6, and circle those two words, no one, circle it, underline it, put a hundred arrows to it. No one comes to the Father except through me. It does not matter what you have done in this life. It does not matter how good of a person you were or how bad of a person you were. You do not come to the Father except through Christ. Christ. And boy, I'll tell you, that's a beautiful thought. Because I've messed up in my life. And I'm sure if I went around the room, everybody's got stories. Some of us have stories we wouldn't want to tell in this church. That we wouldn't want other people to know, but God knows them. And you know what? He doesn't care. Because you are his child. He loves you. You are equals with the best of them. We can talk about all the great theologians, but let me just tell you, if if I'm in line next to, say, Billy Graham, God's not going to show favor to Billy over me, which I know is a hard concept, but, but I'm good enough, and you're good enough. There's nothing stopping you. So those are the two arguments um, that Paul makes. Those, those are the arguments that Paul makes against the idea that we're just, uh, we're just undoing this law. This is, this is what Paul is trying to say. Paul is trying to convince you that Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. And in the second half, uh, Paul gives us an idea that works according to Christ, proves our justification. Because their worry, remember, was... If we do away with works, what are people going to do? They're going to do whatever they want. They're going to—they're just going to—they're going to party. They're going to drink. They're going to um, do all of those things that we've been trying to keep them from doing. And and they're just going to throw the law out. But so Paul's, Paul's got an answer to that, uh, starting in verse 17 down to 21. But if, our endeavor to be, if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. He asks a very bold question. He asks the question that if we are saved, if we are redeemed by Christ, and then we continue... To live our lives the way we want to, to live our lives in a sinful manner, does that make Christ an advocate of sin? He's saying, no, of course he's not an advocate of sin. Of course he's not a servant to sin. He goes on to say, it's no longer me who lives, but Christ who lives in me. I died to the law so that I may become close to God, but then I died in Christ and I want to be close to Christ. I think we all knew that I was going over to, to James. So let's just flip over to James chapter two, because James chapter two says it a little bit more plainly, gives this, gives this portion a little bit easier. Um, no offense to Paul. He's a beautiful writer. He was a very important man, but he kind of talks in circles in, this, in this, that set of verses. So let's go over to, uh, to James chapter two, verses 14. Uh, we're going to read down we're going to read down to uh, verse 17. You can talk the talk, but you got to walk the walk too. I'm a big UFC fan. I don't talk about it a lot because I'm really only concerned with one very particular type of match, type of fight. I'm a wrestling fan, so I call them matches. But a a particular fight, just really concerned with one particular type of fight. What I love almost more than any other sport in the world is when they're getting ready for the big fight. And they're showing the vignettes before the guys come down to the cage. And you have guy A, who, who they're interviewing and he's saying, yeah, I'm ready for this fight, I think I feel good, um, my training's been good, my diet's been good, um, you know, I didn't have to cut as much weight as I normally do, so I feel better, uh, I'm, I'm, really, I'm really in the mood. My, my opponent's really good, but I think I've got him this time. And then you have fighter B, and fighter B is talking so much trash, he's barely even talking about the fight. He's like, that guy thinks he wants to step into the, into the cage with me? Well, that's his problem. He's going to regret it because I'm going to kick him and hit him so hard, his grandkids are going to be born naked. I'll tell you what. And, and then the guy's get into the ring, and fighter A, who was very calm, who was just talking about how ready he is, the bell rings, and fighter A... Knees the other guy on the head, and and the fight is over in five seconds. I love that so much. I love the image of Fighter B laying on the ground, realizing that he probably should have done a lot less talking about being the best fighter in the world and a lot more about being the best fighter in the world. So you can talk a big game, but when the time comes for you to show up, you better be able to back it up. I've been reading this book called Atomic Habits. Now, Atomic Habits is about um, maximizing your ability to achieve goals through, uh, through habitual behavior. And one of the suggestions, one of the points that this man, James LeClaire, makes is uh, if you want to achieve a goal, don't just start running towards that goal, but start doing the things that people who have achieved that goal do. So if I wanted to be a marathon runner, don't laugh, if I wanted to be a marathon runner, I wouldn't want to just get up and put on my shoes and start running because I, I would have to call my wife to come pick me up, like lying in a gutter somewhere. But if I decided I wanted to run a marathon and I said, okay, well, what do people who, who run marathons, what, what's their behavior like? okay. They eat a lot better. They eat healthier. They uh, maybe skip the second helping of of pasta, or the third, or the fourth, whatever. If I want to do, if I want to be a runner, I have to do what runners do. If I want to be like Christ, I have to do what Christ does. I can't just fake it. I can't just say I'm like Christ and all of a sudden I am. And Christ straight up calls people out in Luke. Uh, If you flip over to, this is the last passage we're going through, um, if you flip over to Luke chapter 6, Jesus is talking with his disciples. And I I don't have a lot, uh, I don't know if, if these stories were all told like, just one right after another. I imagine these are all these stories that Jesus tells. It's kind of a collection as they're going along and and he's sitting around with his disciples and he's kind of interacting with them based on what their actions are like. And Jesus starts in verse 46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep, And laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream broke against the house and could not shake it, because it had been well built. But the man who hears and does not uh, hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. Jesus is straight up calling out one of his disciples. I, I can only imagine. One of his disciples is, is, is gossiping or talking about, uh, talking about something he shouldn't be talking about. And Jesus kind of looks at him and is like, why do you do that? Why do you call me Lord? Why do you say you want to be my servant? And then you don't do what I'm telling you to do. Anytime I hear people say things like, I just need Jesus. Or I, I don't have religion; I have relationship. That was the really big one in 2010. And I'm not saying that that all you that, that it's not all you need is Jesus, because I think the whole point of what I've been trying to say is that all you need is Jesus. But anytime I hear that, I always want to point to pe- point to this verse. Because if you wanted a real relationship with Christ, then you'd listen to him then you would be in his word and you would be praying and talking to him daily. You'd be be trying to fix the bad habits that you formed in order to become more like the person that God has called you to be. There is no way to heaven without Christ. And there is no way to Christ but through faith in and obedience to his word.